You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, thanks for tuning in. I am really glad to have you on today's episode of the podcast. You know, I want to remind us the reason that we have the podcast. Talked about it in the very first episode. We wanted to have the podcast so that on Monday through Friday, we would remember that we are the church. It's not just our gatherings on Sunday or Wednesday that make us the church, that remind us that we are the body of Christ together. We belong to each other. We are the church all week long. So as we live on mission, we just want a daily reminder that we're connected, connected in Jesus, connected for Jesus, connected by Jesus. And so today, as you carry out your mission, just know that you are loved by your church family and you are part of a larger body. I am so thankful that God has called us together, that in His will, we've been born in this time and this place, and it's our opportunity to represent Jesus together as a church family. So thanks for listening. If this episode of the podcast is encouraging to you, feel free to share it so that we can get God's Word in as many households and homes as possible so that people can think about what God's done for us. Well, it's Thursday if you're listening on schedule, and we have Palm Sunday coming up this week. We'll be taking communion together. We'll be talking a little bit about what it is to be crucified in Christ, to die to ourselves so that He would be our King. But as we do that, our hearts are really just focused on the resurrection, on Easter coming uh, on April the 4th. And so we've been reading through Matthew's gospel. We're in Matthew 27, reading the events of the crucifixion. And next week, I'll read about the resurrection. But today, I want to pick up where we've left off. Christ is on the cross, and there's these two thieves beside him. Matthew 27, verse 38. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. So the setting is pretty brutal. Uh, Jesus, the Son of God, really our divine King, the life giver, is hanging on a cross, having his life taken. He's being crucified among thieves. He has rebels on his right, rebels on his left. In Luke's gospel, we, we hear about these two thieves, these two rebels, these two insurrectionists, whatever their crimes were. And we, we learn that these two villains had different attitudes toward Jesus. You know, In Luke's gospel, one of them is mocking Jesus, hurling insults at him just like the crowd. And the other looks at Jesus and says, you know, remember me when you come into to your kingdom. This guy became a believer. He had faith that even as Jesus died on the cross, he really was the one who came to redeem the world, really was the Messiah. But it's, it's interesting to me that as Jesus chose to die for us, his death wasn't an honorable death. Like he is literally crucified among thieves and robbers, which makes sense to me when I think about the fact that he was dying from my sins and yours. Really, he was taking the place of our lust, greed, arrogance, anger. Much worse than just robbers and insurrectionists. Like all of uh, our sins, the, the heap of the mess that we have made, you know, Christ was identifying himself with it. So it's really no surprise to me that the king of glory chose to be stripped naked, bloodied, and beaten, and placed himself between two thieves in his moment 
of death. It really is fitting for what he's doing, that he was not afraid to be associated with us, as brutal and shameful as it is to think about. He was not not unwilling to be directly in union with me, to take on my shame, to be affiliated with me as a sinner. And in some ways, you know, we've been rebels. Matthew calls these guys rebels. Maybe they're insurrectionists. They were rebels against Rome, uh, probably. Perhaps they were even rebels against some of the things that were happening politically uh, in Jewish culture, but more likely rebels against Rome. But you know, you and I, in our sin, have been rebels against God. Like, really, all of our sin is when we see the way God wants to rule the creation He made with love, with grace, with justice, with peace, with kindness. And we reject His rule. When we decide we want to rule the earth differently, we really are kind of insurrectionists. In a way, sin really is rebellion against God. It's against His order. It's against His will. We decide that we would rather do what seems right to us than what He has said is right, what would bless others. So it's fitting that Jesus was crucified between rebels because He was taking the place of all of us who are ultimately rebels. It's telling that all the people passing by on the road in this very public execution were shaking their head, mocking, hurling insults. This this is sad to me to think about how Jesus is being treated, but the, the whole point of a Roman crucifixion is that it would be public. It's a public display of the strength of Rome against anybody who is a threat or challenges uh, their rule, anybody that won't bend to their status quo. And so Jesus is put in a very public place, and all these people that are passing by you know, are mocking. Their, it's almost like you could imagine you know, the crucifixion would have taken place on the road to Walmart or on a busy highway. I mean, it's a place where people are going to see it. And all these people passing are mocking Jesus, shaking their head. And it hurts me to know that in his last moments, he has a few faithful followers watching and grieving with him, but so many hurling insults at him. And I think about Paul, the apostle, who before he became an apostle was insulting Jesus and and hurting Jesus. And he felt that by hurting the church. I think about today, how people mock Jesus, sometimes in public, sometimes in private, but whether it was on the road in front of the cross or whether it's, you know, today in the streets, the highways, the dorm rooms, the campuses, the workplaces, and the ball fields where we live. It hurts me to think about King Jesus being mocked, but he was, and that was his choice to accept that. They bring up this thing he said about destroying the temple, because the temple, that religious structure, is the most you know, stable, permanent, uh, I mean, immovable sign of Jewish strength and of uh, the chief priests and the high priests governing over the people. And they really have been the enemies of Jesus for, uh, for the, the last week and the last couple of years. So when you read through the Gospels, you get to see that they're really the ones calling for the execution of Jesus. They're the ones who are jealous of him and angry of him and insecure of him. And they bring up this statement, you know, you said you'd destroy the temple and rebuild in three days. Well, then save yourself and come down if you really are the Son of God. And we know Jesus is not going to come down, but he was, he did say that he would destroy the temple, but but he wasn't just talking about the Jerusalem temple. Now, keep in mind, the Jerusalem temple would be destroyed. In 40 years, the Romans were going to destroy it. And when I read the Gospels, I see evidence that Jesus was predicting that as if he was the one who would destroy it. He There's a quote from Daniel 7.13, which we read last Sunday in our sermon, One Like the Son of Man Coming on the Clouds, that when the temple is destroyed in 70 AD, you'll see the Son of Man coming on the clouds. It's almost as if that might even evoke the judgment of Jesus against the temple. But we also know that Jesus was saved 
seeing that his body, really the source of worship, the really the place where our sins are forgiven, would be destroyed, but he would raise it in three days. Really, the, the location of forgiveness, the source of where people are going to commune with God is shifting in a dramatic way on that cross from the temple, which will be destroyed in 40 years, to the person of Jesus and the body of Christ, which is which is partly, I think, why the church is called the body of Christ now. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. It infuriates me that these religious leaders and teachers and scribes and elders and chief priests are mocking the Messiah. And it reminds me that even religious people can be extremely misled when we listen to the voices inside our own head more than we're listening to the Holy Spirit. Guard yourself that we never find ourselves opposing God in this way. But this makes me so angry that the people that God entrusted with the care of Israel and the worship of God are now mocking Messiah right along with everybody else who passes the street. Verse 43 says, He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants to. For he said, I am the Son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Man, there's so much in this section for me, as I think about Jesus being insulted and mocked, and then I think about what is the truth beneath that mockery, that God is going to save Jesus, but he's going to redeem him. He's going to rescue him through death, not from death. His resurrection is going to be the rescue, and he's going to give that rescue to all of us. He's choosing not to come off the cross. This was his surrendering to God's will. This is this is his choice. It's sad to me to see people mocking who should be worshiping. And so I just want to call on the church as we grieve this moving towards Good Friday next week, as we feel the weight of what Jesus endured, let's make sure that he's not mocked on our account. Let's make sure that we are good witnesses, that we are good, that we are good neighbors, that we love our neighbors, that we love our enemies, that we represent Jesus well, that we that we are careful to live in such a way that the name of God and the name of Jesus is not blasphemed on account of our behavior. Let's represent Jesus well. And let's live with the reality that while people around the world may mock Jesus, honestly, there is a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, and we will all see His glory. We'll all see the goodness of His rule. And it's my job, your job, that we would live in such a way today that as many people as possible could see that sooner than later, could turn their insults and blasphemies into praise, into worship. And so let's live in such a way that people can see who Christ was on the cross and they can accept Him and live with Him and let Him be Lord over them. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. It's my joy to read through these scriptures with you. And I want to encourage you, as as Good Friday, Palm Sunday, as Easter moves closer and closer, uh, lead your households well to appreciate what Jesus has done for us. Let's let our hearts be filled with worship this season as we remember the resurrection. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in.